Welcome to a taste of awe. And do I have a treat for you. I have some friends from the Camino here today that I called and said, hey, we all spent the last day in Santiago de Compostela 12 months ago. How about we get together on Zoom and have pizza and wine like we did that night? It didn't quite happen on the night, but we're here together now. Kerry is also here and thought it would be a good idea if she asked some questions and we recorded the call. What you're about to hear is the result of that. We have an open and deep discussion about how we dealt with judgments on the Camino, our own and others, the Divine Feminine, and more. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Katie and Andy Swanson and Nicole Rewerts. I truly hope that you get as much out of this conversation as we all did. Take it away, Kerry. A lot of the clutter and the voices inside my head were left behind so I could hear myself better. That inner dialogue that has value, I could hear that because the rest of the noise and the judgments had been left behind. And it was like, oh, this is actually what I believe. This is what I think. This is where I stand because the opinions and teachings of everybody else had sort of, not intentionally, but the Camino took them and, and I was left with what I needed. Thank you, Lyndon, and thank you, Nicole and Katie and Andy for welcoming me to this chat and this reflection on that evening in Santiago de Compostela and uh, maybe some other experiences around your whole Camino experience. Uh, so where do we start, Lyndon? Would you like to, I think you have already on a podcast perhaps, or you're going to share about that moment where you didn't want to be alone in this magnificent city and you turned around and you saw Katie and Andy. Do you want to take us from there? Yes. I met, first met Katie and Andy, uh, as you will hear in a very soon to be released podcast uh, on the, my second day on the Camino. Uh, we walked into Espinal together, but then at the end of the Camino, I had come back from Mushia back to Santiago de Compostela and was all alone in the big city with all these amazing things going on and all these new pilgrims coming in, having these awesome experiences of walking into into this, walking into this amazing square and an amazing church, uh, crying and having all their emotions. And I'd just come back from Moshiach and my Camino had, for all intents and purposes, ended. So I was feeling really alone um, and lonely. And I just was on the bus on the way back to Santiago. I just went, oh, God, please, can there be somebody there that I know? got off the bus and walked around the corner and there's familiar faces and I'm like, oh, I'm sure I know them. And I think it was Andy goes, Lyndon. And I'm like, yeah, I can't remember your names. <laughs> but there they were and it was a great, it was just wonderful to see somebody that I knew. You can read about it in Kerry's upcoming book. And I'll give you more information when that podcast comes out. But I was very grateful to have met them that day. And we organised to have dinner that night. And that's where I met Nicole. So we had pizza and wine and deep philosophical conversations. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And so now here we are. And Lyndon did say that I could make him square. Uh, so I'm not sure how Nicole and Katie and Andy feel about that. But it's really interesting to notice sometimes the times we connect with people and there's a whole lot of different emotions going on. So Lyndon's just explained where he was at that afternoon. Uh, so Nicole, would you like to share what was your experience of, uh, you know, walking in and uh, maybe the moment of meeting Lyndon, maybe that was not memorable, maybe it was, you know... <laughs> Let's hear from you and, uh, and then Katie and Andy. <laughs> yeah, so I remember 
like the emotions of arriving in Santiago were just overwhelming and it was this big culmination of this journey that I had been on for so long and I had spent a couple of days in Santiago with Katie and Andy just kind of like processing everything and decompressing and just taking in everything for what it was and we had talked about it and they had decided that they were going to continue on to Finisterre Musia but I knew in my heart that my Camino ended there in Santiago and I wasn't being called to continue that journey and so I knew that we would have a difficult goodbye coming up and I was kind of like dreading it because they had become my family on the trail over the last month of walking with them. And so I believe they ran into Lyndon when I wasn't with them. And then they came back and reunited with me and were like, hey, we're going to have dinner at this restaurant with this guy that we met on the trail. And honestly, my first reaction was kind of like, oh, but like, it's supposed to be our last supper together. Like, this was supposed to be our last night, the three of us. And now I'm going to go meet this new man. But like, if there is something that the Camino had taught me and brought me out of my comfort zone, it was that there is such a beauty in meeting and encountering new people. And I had received so many graces through that along the way. And so I went into the dinner with an open mind. And that was when I met Lyndon there, when we met him at the restaurant. And he was just so kind, as most Australians I've ever encountered are. And he was just really thoughtful. And we had an incredible conversation that night. And I left the night feeling very satisfied that that was kind of like the last encounter of my Camino that I was meant to have. And so then the next morning I said goodbye to Katie and Andy and it kind of started this new chapter of travel for me, but meeting him was kind of like a culmination of the culmination, if that makes any sense. Thank you for hearing that. Yeah, it's really beautiful to hear that. And I mean, the key thing that I hear is that you went with an open mind, even though you had that sense of disappointment because you had this expectation of like your special dinner with Katie and Andy, um, but you had that moment of decision and chose to be open, which maybe it's something you were good at before, or maybe it's something that you learned that as you went along on the Camino. Yeah, definitely was an acquired state. I remember like the night before I started on the Camino, I had a phone call with my mom and she was like, just don't hate everybody. Like try to be open to meeting new people. And so I think that was something that I grew a lot in on the Camino. And that very last night being open to meeting Lyndon was kind of like the final test of that growth that I had been experiencing. Wow, that's so beautiful. It's funny that you should say that because when we, when I first met you that night, I'm like, I don't think she wants me here. I wasn't offended by that. I just thought, oh, I think I'm going to ask her some nice, some questions and, you know, about you to try and, you know, people like talking about themselves. Yes. So it's often a good way to win people over is to ask them about themselves. And I was interested anyway. So I think I asked you about your tattoo that you've got. Yes. Yeah, a glass of wine and some questions about myself definitely got things warmed up and going and everything. Uh, Just to clarify, I didn't feel pushed away or anything or not. You're obviously open to me. (laughs) I wouldn't have got anywhere. Uh, But yeah, I just did notice that a bit of reluctance initially. Mm -hmm. Didn't last long. No. (laughs) So should we pop over to Katie and Andy and hear their thoughts on that afternoon slash evening. Yeah. So when we walked into Santiago, I was expecting this big emotional response from myself uh, because we had been building up to this. We, we knew this was coming. Um, and so I was expecting a big emotional response and it just didn't come. And that's not really something that you force you know, if you, if you force it, it's not going to be authentic. I'm not just going to weep openly because it feels like something that I should do. So we were excited about it. I think I, I felt more of a connection watching other people's emotional responses. That was, um, that was really moving to me. 
But yeah, I think it was because we had decided to continue on to Finister and Mushia that it just didn't feel like the end. Also, the Camino was the beginning of our travels. You know, we, we were, we left the U.S. and knew that we were going to be traveling long-term and the Camino was the first stop on that. So this was just the beginning of a huge adventure for us. So it was the end of the pilgrimage itself, but not really because we were continuing on to Mushia and then you know, we were continuing on this grand journey. So maybe that's why I didn't really have as much of a huge emotional response. But then seeing familiar faces like spotting Lyndon, uh, I think I like, I like hit Andy and was like, hey, hey, it's Lyndon that we saw at the very beginning. And I, yeah, I think Andy hollered at him. And um, yeah, it was just, it's, it was just so good to see a familiar face at that point. Yes. I think it was very exciting to, to see, you know, I feel, I think I felt the same way at the end. I didn't have like the, the desire to, to uh, cry. I don't remember getting too emotional when we first saw it. I just felt this like wave of relief of like, I think the hardest part is behind us at this point. Like ever we, we, we planned on going forward to Mushia and Finisterre, but everyone had told us that it's, nothing compared to getting to Santiago. So it was like, okay, well, like our, like the, the real, the real hard parts behind us. Wow. We're here. This is where we wanted to be. This is very exciting. Um, but then, yeah, I, I think also met with just the, um, amazement and the coincidence that we would run into Lyndon again. Um, we'd see other people, I think, um, Nicole had just left me and Katie there in the square because she was going to go to mass. Um, so we'd parted ways briefly. We were going to meet up, uh, in like an hour or two, but me and Katie were just going to hang around the square and watch people arrive. And we were watching people arrive and you'd see other groups of people that had seen each other along the way. And they'd say, Hey, I know that guy. And like, you'd see these people like reconnecting there in front of the church. And it was really cool. Um, sure enough, like, 10, 15 minutes later, we were standing there and it was like, well, I recognize some of these people that we walked with, but we, we didn't really have a connection with, we didn't really spend a lot of time with or talk with. And then even though we only spent maybe two hours with Lyndon the first time we talked to him 40 days before, when I saw him, it was like, oh my gosh, there's Lyndon, <laughs> like uh, made a big impression on us in our short time together. So it was, it was very exciting to reconnect. Yeah. And you said about 40 days before. So yeah. It was remember, quite some time like, had passed. Yeah, it was yeah. like 43 maybe. I think we yeah. calculated it. Yeah, it yeah. was a, a good amount of time. I think we'd only spent maybe two or three hours walking together that morning. on this. Our, it was our second day, mm -hmm. me and Katie's second day of the Camino. Um, my second day as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and well, you guys had started in San Jean. No. No, you, got a, you guys had got a Rosas Vallas. Yeah. And I'd started in... Uh, uh, Orison in France. So I, you guys had a nice short day. I had a big mm -hmm. long one, but we walked in the rain to Espinal. Yeah. And I, yeah. I stopped where the old um, abuela comes out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 15 euros, and dragging us in. But you guys already booked something, so. Yeah, we already had reservations, so we kept moving, but just for a little bit further into town. I wish I could remember what you said when we first ran into each other because um, we had just left Roncesvalles and you started walking with us but we hadn't really we just barely like said hi and I and you you said that you were coming from Orison and I asked something about how it was coming down that sl slope in the rain and you had a, a a very witty sarcastic remark and I wish I could remember what it was. <laughs> uh, I don't know, don't remember. I often but, said to people it was amazing because like I've been in where at home I've been in drought for five years I have not seen rain for five years it's incredible yeah. I don't know yeah. what the only one was but yeah you said I'm glad something. it made such an impression on you yeah oh it was it was the conversation in general <laughs> going back to what Kerry said about um oh no what you guys said about you know meeting people and seeing people reconnect that was one of the really interesting things I, I found on the Camino 
was that you could have a conversation with somebody for half an hour or a couple of hours and it would go very deep very quickly and then you would meet them up days later or even a month later and it was like you no time had elapsed at all and you just fell into this stride again and it was like you know best friends who've been friends forever and every time you get together nothing's changed just moves on seamlessly without that awkward getting comfortable with each other again that happens so often on the camino you know even with people i never thought i'd see again um you'd meet up with them and it was just instant reconnection you know i suppose it's got something that could have something to do with the fact that everybody's on the same everybody's on a different journey but they're all on the same one i suppose as well yeah, because I'm just thinking for for those listening who haven't had this experience, who uh, maybe wanted to and still have the Camino in mind, but that, that dream is being pushed out and out at the moment. Do you guys have insights that you could share that would help people connect in deeper ways in everyday life as we are living it right now? Uh, yeah, there's a point on the Camino called the Crucifero. And at this cross, you all, you're supposed to be carrying a stone with you your entire journey. And it's tradition on the Camino that you leave your stone at this cross when you reach it. And something that kind of helped me be more bold in my encounters with people was knowing that we were all carrying these stones that we would eventually lay down at that cross. And of course, like Camino tradition holds that the stone is representative of a deeper meaning of your burdens that you're carrying with you of the the pain and the hurt and all that you bring out there on the trail with you is what this stone kind of represents and so I had a very metaphorically heavy stone that I was carrying going out on the Camino but looking at other people and knowing that they were carrying their stone too and they had that as well was something that really helped me not be afraid to go to that deep place with people because I knew they had their own deep place that they were holding on to as well. And kind of like Lyndon, what you were saying earlier, just like asking people about themselves and like people love to talk about themselves and just like getting to know each other better in this shared journey. It just automatically goes to that deep place just because of the nature of the surrounding, but definitely the stones and trying to relate on that deeper level helped me really encounter more openly with people. Yeah. I actually had two stones. I had one for myself and I had one for Kerry. Yeah. I was wondering whether to share that because I was in Belgium at the time and I was leaving there to go to Dubai, speak to the Indian business professional community uh, my first time there and then heading home for Ethan's graduation. And uh, yeah, Lyndon said, do you want me to take something for you? And what would that be? And uh, yeah, so that, uh, so I totally get that story. And uh, so he did take something for me. And I knew as soon as he asked me, what is that? Yep. Here we go. Um, and you can hear about that in another podcast when I, when I get to Cruz de Ferro, which is a place of much significance. To quote, Quite the way. The way, the movie The Way. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Katie and Andy, what are your thoughts on that? Real quick, can you repeat the question? Uh, okay. I got lost in the discussion yeah, yeah. and forgot what the question was. I know. What was the question? Because Nicole was just like, yep, got an answer for that. Uh, so, so for people who maybe want to do the Camino or, uh, you know, and we can't right now, you know, what did you learn in your connecting and having those deep conversations with people? Uh, you know, that can help people that are that are listening now and wanting a deeper connection with people. Like, what can we do in everyday life now to be better connectors and communicators? Well, kind of along the same, same lines with what Nicole was saying, I, I, think, um, I think just trying to be more aware of um, other people's struggles uh, everyone has something that's that's uh, weighing them down or burdening them. Um, uh, so maybe just to be a little bit more patient with people and maybe try and see from their perspective or maybe ask them, 
ask them some personal questions about themselves um, in a safe way, of course, um, that might help you understand the energy that they're putting off towards you, um, might make it easier to communicate and relate to people, especially in like the trying times that we're currently in. I feel like we're not, especially now, people aren't all that great at recognizing other people's problems and uh, things that might be causing them to view the world that they do. Um, if we just had that more open conversation like you have on the Camino with everyone, I think it would be much easier for people to get along, I guess. Because yeah, on the Camino, it's, it's amazing how fast and how, how quickly you go from hello to deepest secrets that you may not tell anyone else just because someone else is genuinely interested. Um, I think that really helps just showing an interest in other people's reasons for doing what they do. It just moves along everyone's understanding much quicker. Yeah, I think I think one of the most valuable things that you can bring to it is your own vulnerability and being being willing to uh, share, but also and maybe even more so being willing to listen and and not trying to fix things and not trying to not trying to do anything else, but just listen. Yeah, it's powerful. And I kind of feel like Lyndon could so easily jump in because he actually asks questions better than he thinks he does, uh, which I know you guys would have experienced on the Camino. And he told me that, uh, that sometimes people would just go, wow, I've been seeing a therapist for ages and I just got more clarity talking to you uh, because there was that, uh, yeah, interest and being a safe space. But uh, something that you've, that you've all talked about is, and that moment in Santiago de Compostela where you recognise that everybody's had a different journey and they've all connected with different people along the way and there's, because of your journey and your awareness of it, you are aware that other people are, um, you know, on the same journey but in a different way. And, you know, it's very much what the world looks like right now. We're kind of all in this together but we're experiencing it, experiencing it in different ways. And uh, there's more compassion, I think, and more opportunity for compassion <laughs> to take a moment, like Andy said, just to listen, to understand that people are, you know, experiencing things in different ways. You said it so beautifully, Andy. You all have. Yeah. Like listening, I think, like Andy talked about listening, and that's, that's part of the Camino, whole Camino experience is listening, not not just listening to other people and parking your judgments of those people, but listening to the inner dialogue as well that's going on in your own head and your own heart. Um, and I think I said it on the, the first one that you interviewed me, I said the journey that you take on the actually walking it might only be 800 or so Ks, but the inner journey is so much further. Uh, and that that inner dialogue and listening to yourself and listening to your body uh, and listening to God or the Holy Spirit or whatever you perceive as a, a divine entity and hearing what they have to say to you is all part of it and accepting what other people are going through and their experience is as being just as valid as your own. Yeah, there's a great insight in that parking judgments. And uh, so I'd love to hear from each of you, just when you're ready, come off mute. Um, in terms of parking judgments of yourself or others and or others, uh, what did you notice in terms of, uh, you know, judgments that might come up that you then had to, by recognising it, then you're able to let it go? The first time that it, I really noticed it uh, was I was at a place... Uh, in a Dutch albergue, there's a whole different group of, there was eight different nationalities at the table uh, and all different types of people. And then we talked afterwards. And what I noticed was that it didn't matter whether you were straight, white, Asian, gay, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, it didn't matter what label you put on yourself. We, you, we'd all been 
we'd all been baptised in rain and sun and wind on the Camino and we're all in this together. It did not matter who you were. You were family because you were a pilgrim on the Camino. And that, that's all that mattered. Nothing else mattered. And so judgments could be put aside because we're going through this together. So it doesn't matter. I'm not going to judge you or the suspension of judgment, you know, even if you'd been brought up to this is wrong and or this is evil or this is bad, it was a place where you could suspend that and go, I'm going to look at this person as another human being and I'm going to see Jesus in them. I'm going to see the Christ in everybody regardless of what label they have on themselves. Does that make sense? That answer your question? Yeah. And so when did that occur to you? Was that a growing insight or was that a moment where you just went, oh, we're all in this together. I'm letting go of all of those judgments that might have been in my head about particular groups of people or something. Well, I think it was probably a bit of both, not just uh, it was growing. But I think like what on what seems to happen on the Camino, it did for me anyway, was that a lot of the clutter and the voices inside my head were left behind so I could hear myself better. Um, and that inner dialogue that has value, I could hear that because the rest of the noise and the judgments had been left behind. And it was like, oh, this is actually what I believe. This is what I think. This is where I stand because the opinions and teachings of everybody else had sort of, not intentionally, but I suppose if you're speaking of the, of the, of the Camino as an entity, the Camino took them and, and I was left with what I needed to understand my thoughts and went, yep, yeah, this is how it is. This is how it should be. Yeah, does that make sense? I can yeah. get in, in, yeah, enigmatic or whatever that word is. A bit esoteric or something. Esoteric. Oh, but, I can get esoterical and, yeah. Yeah, so when you say the Camino took them, I, I see that you're also letting them go. You didn't just wait till Cruz de Ferro. Is that where you leave your role? Yeah. I've said the yeah. right place. This um, was well before Cruz de Ferro. Yeah. So you were letting things go before you... Um, yeah. did but I didn't even realise that I was letting them go. It's just like, oh, my head used to be so much more cluttered. I don't even know what was there. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't need that. Yeah. Is it okay if I jump in or Katie and you look like you were like about to answer? Okay. Um, I think I really struggled with judgments of myself and judgments as a form of comparison with others was something that I really had to outgrow and grapple with along the entire journey. Um, I think the biggest way this was for me was just with my age. I was 20 years old when I hiked the Camino. And so I thought I was going to go out there this spry, healthy 20 year old, and I was going to be doing 40 kilometer days every day and just passing everybody up and just burning out the miles as I went. And um, on day four to day five, I actually, my arch and my foot completely collapsed. And I didn't know it at the time, but it led to excruciating pain. And I had to completely reevaluate what my Camino was going to look like. I had had all of these notions that my Camino was going to be this certain way. And I had to let those go and slow my pace and take um, and added, you know, eight extra days to what I thought I was going to do. And along the trail, when there were times where like 70, 80 year old retirees would be like passing me up, Buen Camino, as they like go by. And I'm like, I'm 20 years old, like I should be passing you. And it was something that was really difficult for me to get outside of myself and realize that this judgment, this idea that I had in my mind of what my Camino would look like was nothing was holding me to that. I could break free from that and make my own Camino and make it be whatever it needed to be for me. And in being able to accept that and those changes for myself 
I was then able to stop judging other people around me, stop looking at them being like, oh, well, they're old. Oh, they're kind of out of shape. Why are they passing me? Why are they doing more miles than me every day or something like that? I was able to break free from that because I was like, no, this is my Camino. This is the Camino that I've been called to and just learning to accept that and then also learning to accept others' Caminos for what they were in the process. Yeah, that's really powerful sharing because I think so many of us get trapped with the, uh, the comparison trap and the being hard on ourselves and having very high expectations. And uh, yeah, that must have been a really challenging journey for you. But I hear that you know, there wasn't one moment of insight, but many uh, you, yeah. you grew into that, uh, which yes. is such a powerful experience and so beautiful to hear you share that. Thank you. So uh, I personally definitely fell into the trap of judging myself and holding myself to this like impossible standard that there was no reason for me to hold on to it or to beat myself up like I did. I was a lot slower on the trail than I had hoped I would be. I mean, when we had done hikes before, I'm usually the last one in the group. I joke that I just have short legs and that's fine. Like I, I just bring up the rear. But when I started having trouble on the trail, um, I was having trouble with my knees because we were both carrying a lot of weight and I really beat myself up a lot over it. I felt like I was holding Andy back and he's like, where am I going to go without you? <laughs> I'm not going to run off and leave you. We're literally, we are in this together. Um, so yeah, it took a while for me to just let go of that. Yeah. I, I think that's what Lyndon and, and Katie and Nicole have all said is, is, uh, I feel like gradually over time, I felt like, um, I struggled with those self judgments a lot less. And I think that kind of had to take place before I could deal with some of my, I guess my judgments of others especially towards the beginning. In general, as a person, I tend to hold on to anger or irritation when someone rubs me the wrong way. Um, and I just kind of dwell on that, which is not healthy at all. And um, meant for mental health, of course. And in the first days of the Camino, because Katie and I were both carrying way too much weight than we should have been, uh, it took us a long time to get up over the Pyrenees. Um, and yeah, people would just be passing us. I knew, I knew that this was too much weight, like, so just kind of beating myself up, kicking ourselves for carrying too much, uh, not wanting to give it up out of some stubborn, you know, that we did this to ourselves, we ought to keep carrying it. You know, it's our fault that we're here. We shouldn't, we shouldn't throw in the towel. And then also holding resentment towards people towards in the beginning of the Camino for passing us by or, um, you know, commenting to us that our bags were too heavy you know they they're passing judgment on us saying oh that's way too much weight like i understand that i feel it on my back thank you for pointing that out um so that at, in the first few days it was really hard for me to not dwell on that and then eventually we shipped some stuff ahead to relieve ourselves of that extra weight that we were carrying you know just kind of convinced ourselves to let go of our, our pride um and then along with that it was like I just kind of stopped letting it get to me what people might comment on. And then, and then, um, yeah, I think, and then it was just um, a gradual kind of clarity, like Lyndon was saying, it wasn't something that just happened in an instant. But as we went, I felt like I, I dwelled on the little things less and less. And that's really useful that you raised that additional angle of judgments in that we deal with the judgments of others coming at us all the time in everyday life don't we you know we we are hard on ourselves we judge ourselves we judge others but we experience being judged by yeah. others and, and need to work through that too yeah that's and that's interesting because when you just said that Kerry, part of my judgment learning journey on the camino uh, i mean i've always been a very judgmental type of person much less now than i used to be but I was talking to somebody, uh, Fran, she's from a beautiful woman from um, Luxembourg. I said something to her and then said, oh, I'm not, there's no judgment in that though. And she just looked at me and went, why would I think there was judgment in it? I've done nothing. 
why would you judge me? And I'm just like, at that moment, I'm like, wow, this is my problem, not hers. She's got no issue with what I said or anything. He's like, that's my issue. You know, is it that when, if somebody says something like that, do I feel like I'm being judged or whatever? Because I probably, if I had said that to me, I'd have been feeling judged. But she was just like, why would I? I'm like, wow, this is, I think this is an issue. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing that. I remember when you, you told me about that at the time. And uh, those moments show us how our worldview, our upbringing, uh, you know, informs so much of what we see as the truth. And uh, it's not necessarily the case. Somebody else sees it from a very different perspective and something that we can be all knotted up about, they can be absolutely free with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a powerful insight also. Would anyone else like to comment on anything that's come up for you as you're hearing that? Yeah. Can I just, there was what we were just talking about, kind of just about like worldview, something that was really a judgment that I had to check at the door, like on day one, day zero really, was I am a Catholic and I'm studying theology and I came out on the Camino very much as a religious pilgrimage and seeing the Catholic traditions that it's rooted in and all of that. And on the very first day I was meeting people and you know, you talk about your your why, why you're doing the Camino. And I very quickly learned that the majority of people weren't doing the Camino for really any sort of religious reason or they were never religious and they were just doing it as an adventure or a hike or something like that. And so it it caused me to have to make this immediate shift in my idea of what the Camino was and try to see it through other people's eyes that to them it isn't this you know, for me, it was a lot of like, I want to be alone with God and have that inner dialogue with God. But for people who don't share that same belief, the Camino was going to be something completely different for them. And so that was a judgment that I very early on had to kind of check at the door and leave behind and go into the Camino with a more open mind in meeting people and learning their reasons for doing it. Yeah, there's people from all walks of life doing it. Like I walked with some Buddhists. And, and a Hindu and a, a friend of mine walked with a Muslim. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, interesting that it's a Catholic pilgrimage. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but I did it. I think kind of like you were saying earlier, Lyndon, with, yeah, I think going into it, I, I also kind of had a little bit more of an expectation of that it would probably be a little bit more towards the religious reasons for people doing it, and maybe not necessarily Catholic, but I was surprised as well. Um, at how many people were doing it more for um, just the the trekking or the hiking experience. And I think what Lyndon was talking about, the the communal dinners being those like aha moments when everyone comes together in an albergue and sits around the table. And that's really that moment, not necessarily the sharing the meal, but just that moment that you're all still together and you can talk and you're not walking. No one's got anywhere to go. And maybe you're waiting for the food to come out or whatever. And there's that just conversation of why people are doing it. It's the question that always comes up at every time you meet someone is why are you doing the Camino? And I found myself not really having an answer at the beginning. And um, uh, some people like Nicole obviously was doing it because she's, she's um, devout. She's devoutly Catholic. I was raised Catholic, but I wasn't specifically doing the Camino because of that. I haven't practiced actively in a long time. And so it was just, kind of caught me off guard when people would give their different reasons for being there and it was very eye-opening to hear all the different people and whether it was just like some people were just there because they liked hiking um, and that was perfectly fine and others were there just because they'd seen the movie and that was really why I was there the movie The Way I saw it in college and or university and, and I just thought like that would be really cool not necessarily for a, I don't think I was looking for a, a spiritual, um, a spiritual encounter or a spiritual uh, experience so much as the idea of being with a group of people that were like like-minded and uh, were not maybe like-minded, but they're all like 
on a journey looking for something that just seemed like a really cool experience to me. And like, I had to kind of like develop that answer as we walked. Um, because at first people would be like, why are you doing it? I'm like, it seemed cool. <laughs> like I didn't have a great answer. And like, so then like, as we went farther, it was more of a, like, a, Oh, this is, this is why we're here. It's interesting. So Andy, even though I'm hearing, even though you didn't go with a specific spiritual or uh, reason or, you know, to, to change, um, did the journey, did you have a spiritual encounter or did you change, did, did the Camino change you even though that wasn't particularly why you went? Yes, I think so. I think it made me more okay with inner reflection all the time walking around, um, just more, uh, more okay with that taking the time to think about your thoughts, um, the experience of being with so many people that were searching for something inspired me, I guess, to to figure out what it is that I that uh, I I really needed out of the journey. I don't know that I have like an aha. Um, this one thing really changed me, but just like that that uh, fellowship of being with all the other pilgrims was just very powerful, and I think it made me, um, especially all the experiences with different albergues and dorm rooms. I think it just made me more patient with people, less quick to jump to judgments. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, does, do you guys have questions for any of us? Um, so, Lyndon, there was something that you mentioned at our dinner that we had that really kind of struck me, um, and I just wanted to kind of, like, follow up on it. You had mentioned that something that you had picked up on along the way or kind of had learned along the way was that you were noticing, like, the strength of women. And like women's, um, yeah, I can't think of a word other than strength, but you had made a comment about that. And it really struck me because I personally felt like I could identify as myself as so much stronger because I had done the Camino. And so I kind of just wanted to like follow up on that comment that you made and like, have you reflected on it more or like had any more insights about that since reflecting on your entire Camino? everybody's giving you the thumbs up. <laughs> so it's obviously a really good question. <laughs> um, it's probably one of those ones that make you squirm. But yes, I'm still reflecting on it, on the learnings from the Camino. I haven't even got to this in the podcast to explain it, so everybody's going to get it early because I'm going to, I'll put this one up before anything else um, because I'm really busy at the moment and don't know when I'm going to get time to actually do it. But it was on the first flight, on the flight over, I thought there's something about the divine feminine that just was on my mind and on my heart. And yeah, and so on my Camino journey, I think I said to you that night was that I was encountering different aspects of the divine in every woman that I met along the way and had, you know, any sort of time with. I met lots of people but there are particular women who I spend a lot of time with and each one of them I can reflect on and go wow that is that is an aspect of the divine and the interesting thing was that the strength that they had I suppose the, the, these women were, were in all their mess or their just their life, and I'm articulating this really badly <laughs> because you have these things in your head, but then when you try and articulate them, it's like, oh, that just that didn't come out right. So please forgive me if you're one of those women. <laughs> if this is not how it's not supposed to sound bad. No, it sounds good. <laughs> but it was like it was in their humanness that I saw God in, in the in their struggle and in their. I, I met some amazing women uh, just who, like one, one woman lives in Australia from originally from Chile. Incredible, like single mom raised two girls, you know, and I'm not going to go into her story because that's, that's her story to tell, but wow. And she was like this beautiful mother hen who was a helicopter mum. 
And I said that to her, so she probably, she'll be okay with that. And she knows it, but that I saw God in that. That was just this God being this mother who was looking after you and making sure you had everything and make sure you do this when you get there and make sure you, have you checked under your bed? Have you, all right already, I've done it. But just the love that she did it with. And it's like, that was just one example of the divine in all these women that I met along the way. And each one, there's something specific that I can talk about. Fran, I mentioned earlier, uh, with the judgment, what I really learned from her was that about was about judgment. If God judges, it's like it's not how we perceive it. This is how what the the, the line I have with her is that God's judgment is love. Well, it doesn't matter the divine judges, makes judgment and passes judgment, that is love and it's done in love. So it doesn't matter what you've done, it's love. The answer is love. Um, is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to know like, if you had reflected on it any further because you just mentioned to me that it was something that you've seen but you never like you didn't give like stories or details or anything. So I was just curious of what more came from that if anything because we never got that extra bottle of wine that Caddy was talking about we went went home didn't we <laughs> uh, I'm sure I remember that we got two bottles of wine that night yes and I remember when you brought that up because I'm pretty sure it was after the first bottle and, but when you said that it just struck like it just hit so hard and I was like oh my gosh that's so good I wish I had like my journal here to make a note of that but I didn't it was kind of such a pure moment I didn't want to to pause everything and say hold hold on can you I'm gonna make a voice memo on my phone <laughs> but it was just such a beautiful moment and Nicole I'm really glad you brought it up because I thought it was just lost to the wine <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful Lyndon thank you thank you so in in reflecting on that Nicole what does that bring up for you? For me, a lot of what I have like struggled with is like my femininity and kind of this like, you know, growing up in the Catholic world and like especially going to a Catholic university, all these girls are like, I just want to get married and become a mother and have 20 children and that's what I want to do. And I am a fiercely independent person. And I'm like, I can wait a while until I'm married and having kids. I just want to explore my own spirituality and all of that. And I think a lot of the Camino was uncovering those aspects of myself that like, it's okay that I'm independent. It's okay that I can take care of myself. It's okay that I'm not immediately desiring to have someone else be my protector and just what you were talking about with like that woman that you encountered who was like a mother hen and like that showing God's like protective nature to you in a way like I just think that's incredibly beautiful um and I think that's a lot of what the Camino was for me not just with like other women that I encountered but just everybody that I encountered and each of them showing me a bit of the way that God loves in a different way. Yeah. And it's interesting that you would choose the Camino because uh, I noticed, and one of the women that I talked to um, pointed this out to me, that in Spain, different to most other countries, in most other Catholic cultures, Mary is front and centre. Mm -hmm. She's the, you go into the churches, Mary's there. Jesus is still there. But Mary is front and center. Right. She is the focus. That, that representation of the divine feminine is there. Right. And it's beautiful because she is such a perfect example of, like, that link between divinity and humanity. Like, she was human, but she brought divinity into the world. And, like, that is something that I admire so much about the 
Latino culture in general, like you see that in Mexico as well. Um, that Mary is just like front and center in the churches because she makes the divine seem so tangible. Yeah. See, I grew up in a culture, I grew up uh, Pentecostal. Um, and so it was almost like Mary was evil because Catholics prayed to her. And so it, I had to, it was, I had to overcome all that to, to experience this. Um, I mean, I've been having questions about that anyway, and I've got a lot of notes in my journal about the divine feminine and how many times it's referred to in the Christian scriptures where in the, the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic, it is actually a feminine word, but we've translated it and it's masculine. And so I was looking into all that, and then I go to Spain where the divine feminine is just everywhere. So it was interesting and, and a bit of a, a culture shock. A Christian culture shock. Yes. I embraced. Was, I'm so glad that it, I'd had it. Uh, I mean, I grew up all about Father God, know all about that. Yeah. For Catholics, we really, one of my best friends this year, she actually wrote her entire thesis on the role of women in the church and like these women who have lived such holy and divine lives. And like, it's just so eye opening to see that there is this balance and it's so beautiful. And so, when you just said that that was something that you picked up on in your Camino, I just, I, I was in love with that. I just thought it was so incredible. Nice. So we've probably been going for nearly an hour and I'm, it's great to have a theologian on the channel. <laughs> so thank you for coming, Nicole. Um, is there anything anybody like to say to wrap up? I just have to say, I love the expression Christian culture shock <laughs> because it's a thing when uh, you connect with people from different cultures within your culture. You think that everybody thinks the same, but uh, people have been reading different things and uh, listening to different rabbis or priests or uh, different translations of the same words. So, uh, yeah, that's really interesting to, to hear you share that. And so, that doesn't need to be included anywhere, but I just <laughs> love that conversation. And thank you, Nicole, for raising that, because as I said in the chat, uh, yeah, the divine, divine Feminine has uh, been uh, in conversation here for the past, well, probably 18 months, more than maybe the past two years, yeah. And yeah, of course. Really Sorry for jumping the gun a little bit on that. <laughs> no, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, uh, and when Lyndon said he was busy, I said, We'll find time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time I don't mind that it's come up. I thought, look, I might be having to tell stories that I didn't want to tell until later, but that's just how it happens. Uh, it will, I'm sure if we, I'd love to have you all back again at some stage uh, and continue the conversation. I'm sure even if we talk about the same things, it will be at a deeper level. I suppose I should actually, Katie, you said that you wanted to write what I'd said in your journal, but you didn't. So after the discussion between Nicole and myself, what's that bring up for you? Um, I don't know. It, uh, it seemed, it seemed profound to me that a male would be specifically seeking that. Yeah. Okay. He's not your average male. <laughs> I now know that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know. It just it seems like a lot of Western culture is so macho and so uh, keeps things like that at an at an arm's distance, yeah. and that maybe acknowledging value in that feminine um, perspective seems like it would be acknowledging some kind of weakness or some kind of lack of masculinity. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for that. Um, and what you just said there might remind me something is that I firmly believe that we need to redefine what masculinity is, that it's not that macho thing that, you know, no vulnerability. We'd probably be here for a long time if we started talking about that, but, Redefining masculinity would be a good thing because particularly in the Western world, 
I think there are much better examples of masculinity other places in the world. It, well, honestly, I think it's probably everybody's got a bit of a bit of it right in all the different cultures. And what we need to do is get them all together and go, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. Let's dump all the rubbish and all the macho. I mean, and I'm not saying that macho is not needed sometimes. Sometimes it is. But when it's needed, it's needed. But leave it alone when it's not. Don't, don't tell me to man up. You know, I'll give you the middle finger. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So there's another whole episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, so when Lyndon was sharing that, there were like high fives and excitement and smiles all round on the screen here. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you guys for asking the questions and thank you, Lyndon, for sharing that. Thank you. yeah, all for just sharing these insights. I think it's beautiful to hear the kind of things that you've been learning because it's relevant to everyday life. You know, the Camino is an example. It's a, it's a different way of viewing everyday life because it, uh, it puts conversations in the spotlight. It puts uh, those, you know, connections internally and externally, the way you connect with others, but also the way you connect with yourself and hear yourself think. Uh, you know, there are so many beautiful insights that you shared that are useful for everyday life and everyday connecting with self and others. So uh, I'm quite honoured to be here for this conversation. Is there anything that anyone would like to say to to wrap up any final insights or appreciation for this conversation? What has been useful? I think it's probably quite a relevant conversation for right now, actually. I didn't th- wouldn't have thought that when we started, but the more we talked, I'm like, wow, this is actually in this time of everybody being locked down and not being able to do what they always do. That's just like the Camino. You're on the Camino and it's not your normal life. It's very different. And we're in a time uh, of this COVID-19 and we're all, we're all in the same situation. We're all in the same, well, you know, well, we're not. Some people are a lot worse off and some people are a lot better off. It is affecting some people a lot more than it's affecting others. But we're all in this same path or journey. And suspending judgment, which is, seems to be our theme for this, uh, for this conversation, is something that really needs to happen in this time and accepting of other people. Anybody else? I'm just so thankful to be able to connect with you all. We are across three different time zones. And I mean, we've, we've been away from home for 13 months now. Uh, it's almost been almost a year since we saw both of you. I guess it has been a year because yeah, we had our year anniversary. Yeah. Um, yeah, over a year since we parted ways in Santiago de Compostela. Only Uh, about 24, 48 hours. (laughs) But being like, we've been traveling. And so we've been away from family and friends and our community. But for whatever reason, when the, the shutdowns and the lockdowns and all of that started, it felt so much, it felt very different. We just felt more shut off from our people. Like we felt like we lost our community. So being able to connect with you guys like this and reflect on that time in our lives is really nice. So thank you for providing that. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I have appreciated this so much. Um, Just reconnecting with all of you because recently I had to have surgery to fix my problem that happened to my foot. And so Along with the lockdowns from COVID, I have also been in a cast and crippled for a while. And so I really struggled with processing the Camino because of, you know, the pain from the surgery and all of that. And it's because of the Camino in a way. And so trying to focus on the positives of that when I'm feeling the negatives of it right now. And so this just really helped remind me of all of the good that came out of that journey and in encountering you all along that journey. And it's just kind of made me more motivated to try to have that same spirit of openness and encounter towards others that I had on the Camino to have that again in my daily life. It was definitely good to have this 
conversation. I think it, uh, I think it forced me to kind of reflect on it some more, and I, I haven't, I haven't thought about it as deeply as mm-hmm. we probably should have been for a little while in isolation. So it's interesting, yeah. very interesting discussion. Yeah. Thank you all so very much. Thank you for joining us, and thank you, Kerry, for um, asking questions as you do well, do so well. I've really enjoyed catching up with you guys. I, I did like I miss you guys. I love you guys. Miss you, and it's incredible. I would don't normally say that to people, but nearly everybody I met on the Camino I had become friends with. When I talk to them, it's like I love you and I miss you, and I just wish we we're all back there, all together. But life goes on. The Camino journey continues, continues on into the rest of life. And we'll just keep crossing paths.